0: Turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 6. Why are we here? Why are we on this earth? What's your purpose? Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah caught a vision of God. That's what we want in this place, amen? Why do we exist? Many people say, I don't know what I'm doing here. And I don't feel like God is using me. And I don't feel like anything's happening. And I don't do this and that. And I want to address that today. And I want to talk about when we enter into this sanctuary, we've come in to worship the Lord corporately together in the body of Christ. I want to address some things today. I pray that all would be taken with grace. But some things I'd like to see happen as we gather together on Sunday and at other times and that God would truly manifest His presence in our midst. Why are we here? Look at verse 1 in Isaiah, Old Testament. Again, about midway, a little bit behind the Psalms. If you'll turn over Proverbs and then there's Isaiah. Isaiah there Song of Songs Ecclesiastes In the year that King Uzziah died I saw the Lord seated on a high and lofty throne and his robe filled the temple. Seraphim were standing above him each one had six wings and with two he covered his face with two he covered his feet And with two he flew. And one called to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. His glory fills the whole earth. The foundations of the doorways shook at the sound of their voices and the temple was filled with smoke. And then I said, Woe is me for I am ruined because I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. And because my eyes have seen the king The Lord of hosts. And then one of the seraphim flew to me, and in his hand was a glowing coal that he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your wickedness is removed, and your sin is atoned for. And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Who shall I send? Who will go for us? And then Isaiah said, Here I am, send me. Why are we here? Anybody know why are we here? Serve God, serve God. Anybody else? To worship Him, him. amen? To worship Him. We're here to worship God. We exist for worship and to glorify His holy name. And I want to talk about that today because I think it's so important because we are entering into a time in history... And I believe very significantly spiritually in what we're seeing happening in the earth today, whether or not we're listening to David as he came and told us what's happening to all and happening in the spectrum of the uh, evangelical friends' churches throughout Mid-America, or what we see happening in the body of Christ and different words that I've uh, heard, prophetic words that, that people were sharing with me about things that are happening in the earth today. We exist to worship God. That's why we're here. Where to worship God. And I want to talk about worship today because the first thing when we look at that is true worship is not an escape from reality. It's something that happens in the midst of life. You see, what was happening here is Isaiah is talking about in the year that King Uzziah died. And King Uzziah was actually one of the good kings of the province of Judah. He was a good guy. He, he brought prosperity to Judah. He, he dug wells for water to provide for the livestock. He strengthened the army and they had a mighty army when King Uzziah was alive there. And the people had confidence in their king and they were prosperous. So long as King Uzziah was alive, things were going to be good. But when King Uzziah died, his son Jothan Cain became the new king, and nobody knew how he would respond and how he would be and so forth. Because obviously King Uzziah was a godly man, but there's no guarantee that your son will follow in your footsteps. And so there was a lot of uncertainty that was taking place at this time. You know, it's the same with us today. There's a lot of uncertainty in our life. Things can change in a heartbeat. Things in our lives, our health can go down Obviously, we may lose a loved one. We may have rebellious children with the loss of a job or a financial crisis, things can happen right away, and we know things can change here. And you know, you think about it even as we think about uh, if we could say it this way, what would tomorrow be like? For us, it would be like saying, obviously, in the year that the Japanese bombed were harbor, I worship God. In the year that Kennedy was assassinated, I worship God. In the year that the bottom fell out of the stock market, I worship God. In the year that the space shuttle exploded, in the year that I want to worship God. In the year that I lost everything, I worship God. In the year that my health went south, I worship God. You see, worship does not happen apart from life. It actually happens in the middle of life. Right in the middle of my experiences, good and bad, my responsibility and your responsibility is to worship God. Worship in here can never be oblivious to what is happening out there. Why do we worship God? It's not to escape life out there, it is to deal with life out there. If you want to worship in the sanctuary to be true worship, then you bring with you your baggage in here, and you're honest, you're transparent. And you worship God in spite of your circumstances. Because worship is not trying to escape reality. The reality is life is tough. The reality is, is that where the rubber hits the road is when we leave this place and we go out into the world. And we obviously know that spiritual warfare, even today, is, uh, seems to me to be off its charts. And so we know we worship God no matter what. And we see this in the scriptures. Even as we look at the Psalms. The Psalms are about people, David and other writers. That they poured their heart out to God. But yet what they do? They worship God in spite of those things. And it's a natural part of worship to bring with you concerns in life there. We've gathered here. We bring in the fears of life. The worries of our family. The concerns of the world. And we lift them up in prayer. And we seek God's guidance and comfort about them. But we don't wait until God has changed our situation before we worship God. Some people say, when I get a new reality, then I'll worship. When my car is working right, I'll I'll worship. When I get a big raise, then I'll worship and I'll thank God. Worship God in the middle of the reality that you are in right now. We are to worship God no matter what, obviously. It's easy to worship God on the mountaintop. It's easy to worship God in the monastery. It's easy to worship God when the music's just right or maybe the uh, sermon is a little shorter. (laughs) I thought everybody would hear me. I thought that would get your attention. I see somebody shaking their head back there. Some people worship in order to get a new reality. They say, I'll worship God in order that he'll change my situation. I want to tell you, we don't wait. We worship God. And we thank God. Because God will not be manipulated by us. If we try to give God what he deserves in order to get what we want, you'll be sadly disappointed. Worship will not change our world. Actually, worship changes us. You come in and worship God. You praise God. It may be with lifted hands. It may be in that solemnness, that still moment that you're reflecting upon the Lord. It may be in saying hallelujah, praise the Lord. It may be obviously in whatever way we worship God. We see today in the presence of the Lord. There are a lot of things that happen. We are changed because we exist to worship. The second thing is is true worship always focuses on God. We see that here. Isaiah says that the vision that he had of God was of God on his throne. Lifted and high up. Think what an encouragement that would have been to him here. You know, he's just mentioned previously that his king has died. They were good friends. And life has gotten scary. The enemy may come in and attack now. Will this new king be able to protect us? Will we live for God like his father did? Uncertainties all around. And in the midst of those uncertainties, Isaiah sees God. Where is he? He's on his throne. And we worship God who is settled and he's completely in control. And regardless of the scariness of your situation, you can worship the God who is on his throne. Regardless of what we see in the political arena today, we can worship God, can't we? You see, what we do, we're not, we don't exist to somehow get connected to these particular networks on TV who are telling you everything that's more confusing to me today than i would ever seen it. Because everybody has an opinion. We worship God. It's because that's why we were created. We were created to give Him praise. We were created to worship Him. And when we focus upon God exactly like Isaiah was, and he understood that God is still on his throne, He's still in control, and He's still going to do things what He wants to do, no matter what we see, because we walk by faith and not by sight. You see, we exist to worship God. And true worship focuses on God, obviously. This is where many of us make a mistake. We assume that worship focuses on us. I've heard many times people talk about how they are struggling at church even. And they're not being fed. And, and they say things like, I'm not being fed here. I'm I'm moving on. And I'm not getting anything out of the worship service. I'm not being nurtured by worship. I, I don't get a blessing out of worship at all. But I want to tell you, I never hear people saying necessarily that... Uh, About whether or not God is being blessed in our worship services. You ever thought about it like that? Is God being blessed by our worship? Are we coming in here to worship God? Are we coming out of here out of a road? Because we've always done it. Are we coming in here because out of habit this is what we should do? And maybe somehow we think by coming into church. That somehow we're going to gain favor in that sense with God. For our salvation or whatever it may be. Now again Jesus paid the price for our salvation. But our worship Is what we're to do because we're saved. Because we know Jesus. Because we can be thankful. Because we can serve him. And we can worship him forever and ever. And the question is, is God enjoying our worship? Is God pleased by our worship when we come in here? We don't worship so that we can get something, an experience there. We worship so that God can get something out of the experience, so to speak. And until God gets something out of the worship experience, we never will. Until God's heart is moved because he sees that we're focused on him. And we want to thank him. We want to worship him. in the beauty of his holiness. And we understand that because Isaiah did. Because he got a vision of God. Until God gets blessed by our worship, I don't think we'll be blessed either. People walk away and say, well, I didn't get that fuzzy feeling anymore. I'm looking for a fuzzy feeling you see, worship's not a drug. Worship is a gift that I give to God. And sometimes, you know, people that, does, that you don't feel good around them and all, do you just walk away from them because you don't have that fuzzy feeling? The same way with God, because worship is for God. It's not for us. And Isaiah goes to the temple and he says, "I saw the Lord seated on a throne high and exalted, and the train of His robe filled the temple." It's in the presence of God that fills true worship. When Solomon we know in first Kings built the temple at Jerusalem, on the day that it was dedicated, the Bible records that God's presence, of His glory. Solomon came down so powerfully and filled the place so full that the priests couldn't even perform their duties, their responsibilities. God's presence was there. You know, we sing a song and I desire for God's Spirit to come there and, and take complete control of our worship service. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. I don't know about you, but I want this, that for this church. I want the Spirit of God to come in and take full control of this worship service to fill this place. And the only way for the Spirit's presence to be in this place is for you and me to bring Him with us when we come through those doors. Don't get me wrong. I know that God's Spirit is everywhere because He's omnipresent. But I tell you, there are some places where His life-changing power is free to flow. There's a manifest presence of the Lord. He just changes. He comes in. Surely the Lord is in this place. And people walking in. I want this place to be filled so much with God's spirit. When people walk on this property and they're not saved. That they fall on their faces before God and repent. And ask Jesus Christ to come into their lives. I want the presence of God. That's what happened here with Isaiah. I want that for this church. His life changing power is free to flow. And the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it says, do not quench the Spirit. And before that, he says, rejoice in the Lord. Uh, And again, I say, rejoice in the Lord. He says, don't quench the Spirit of God here. I've come to church, and I'm not in the right mindset sometimes. Maybe sometimes I'm frustrated. Maybe sometimes the traffic's terrible. Or maybe it just seems to be a bad day and all that. And yet, obviously... I still worship the Lord. No matter what it is, I come in because I worship God Almighty because it's not about Jim and it's not about you. It's about God Almighty. And when our focus gets on Him, when our focus and our whole, the totality of our being, as it may be said, focuses upon God, let me tell you today, His Spirit was certainly, He's here. In His manifest presence, it will be in this place. And I want the Spirit of God to come in where people walking on this property can say, surely God is here. What do I do to be saved here? And the only two things that are going to make that happen are praise and prayer, worship here. And both of these elements have to occur on Sunday morning. But there's got to be more of that going on during the week also. Because you see, prayer activates the power of God to intervene into a situation and gets us ready to experience the presence of God in this place. Let me make a request for you for next week, if you would. I'm going to be held accountable for what I'm going to say. I always am for everything that comes out of my mouth. But we start about 1030, if you would. When you come in, about five minutes beforehand, if there'll be some music playing, some soft music, either through the piano or either Darcy can put that on, play some soft music. If when you come in, if you would sit in your pew or you can go over with somebody and join and pray together and ask for God's Spirit to come into this place together. Just bow your heads and just ask. I know you may feel uncomfortable doing that, but let's try it. Just ask the Lord, and I know in my life, okay? Now, let me say something. We're fellowshipping, and I love fellowship. And I'm not negating that, but I'm saying when we get ready to worship, if you would come in and bow and ask God to sovereignly move in this place and ask His Spirit to take complete control over these services, can we do that? Now, fellowship. I'm not negating. I love the talk. Go by. See, because it's a few times during the this. During Sunday I get to see all of y'all. And I want to greet you and say hello and so forth. But when we get down to it. If something's got to sort of take a back seat. I don't want worship to take a back seat. Okay. And I believe if we get our priorities right. As far as worshiping God. And we come in with a, a heart that's ready to center upon the Lord. I believe the fellowship's going to take place. Because we have our priorities right. Can we try that? Let's try it, because true worship focuses on God, and it's prayer that gets us focused. Come in and pray, and just pray. Say hello and, and all, and then and you can uh, get in groups if you want to, and pray whatever we'd have to do. Let's try it and see what God what God does for that. Okay. Third thing, true worship always begins with a vision of God's holiness. There, Isaiah called a vision of God how awesome he was. Sometimes a day. God is taken for granted and maybe he's just our buddy. No, God is God and we're who we are. You remember what happened when Moses was aware of God's presence in the burning bush? Remember there, (laughs) the Ten Commandments? Moses, what, was afraid, wasn't he? You know, God said, take off your shoes, you're standing on holy ground. Remember when Jacob had a dream of a staircase, of a ladder going up into heaven? He woke up and he was afraid because he said, surely the Lord is present. I didn't know it. And the Bible says that he was filled with awe. Time and again, when people are aware of the presence of the Lord, the Bible describes the experience as one filled with awe and even fear. You see, we don't have the fear of the Lord. We're praying uh, in our prayer time, that acronym that uh, we pray, that we'll have the Spirit of God to impart the fear of God. The awe and reverence come into this place, bow your heads, and say, Holy Spirit, I invite you. I want you to come because I want to worship God and get your heart centered upon the Lord because what's happening is today we're so busy I live in a busy world and so do you I get distracted by everything out there and so do you and I need to come back to this this is not just a reminder for for all of us here it's a reminder for me also and again I'll be held accountable for all of this stuff but let's try it and see what happens because we need to be aware that God is here God is here because he sees what's going on. He hears what's being said. And he obviously wants to come and touch our hearts. He wants to do something special in this place here. He wants our full attention. He wants us to come. Seeking him because why? We exist to worship. That's why we're here. We're here to worship the Lord. The fourth thing is true worship helps helps us understand ourselves. And our shortcomings. You cannot come into the presence of God without becoming aware of the holiness of God and your, un, your own unholiness. Paul in Romans chapter 3, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I wonder what would happen in this little analogy. If, if I went head-to-head in basketball with Michael Jordan, well, you know what happened? I'd get beat real bad. And what would happen if I went up against some of the, the, the great major league batters and I got out there and tried to hit the ball and tried to do those type of things? Obviously, I would be real bad, obviously. And because why? Because I would be in the presence of greatness. Well, it was the same way with God. We're in the presence of greatness, obviously. And Isaiah saw that because he said, uh, compared to God, he was ruined and he was undone. He was rotten and he was naked. I want to just show you notice something here everything that Isaiah had to say concerning his wretched condition had nothing to do with his actions but everything to do with his character he didn't say i have said unclean things he said i have unclean lips he the problem was was not that he had sinned his problem was that he was a sinner And maybe, just maybe, if he tried hard enough and and put tape over his mouth or had his mouth stitched shut, he he could stop himself from saying sinful things. But he could never change the fact that he had unclean lips. And that same thing is true for us today. Our problem is not that we sin. Our problem is that we are sinners, again, saved by grace. We are sinners. And in the presence of the holiness of God... God shows us that we don't measure up. And then right at the same time, he reveals his grace, his grace through Jesus Christ and realizing. But we realize today in the presence of holiness and an awesome God, we realize these things just like Isaiah was. Isaiah was a godly man. He was a prophet there. And obviously, we understand that when we get a vision of God's holiness, we get it through worship. We get it through worship. The fifth thing is true worship causes us to seek forgiveness. You know, it would be an awful thing if worship only showed us our condition, didn't offer us a way out to change our condition. Because sin has to be judged. It can't be excused. The sinfulness and cleansing from sin is painful many times. The forgiveness and cleansing were accomplished by God, not by Isaiah. There's no self-effort involved at all. You remember what happened there uh, on the Mount of uh, Transfiguration? Remember what happened and and all? And they realized, they said, Lord, let's just let us stay up here. They wanted to stay in the presence of the Lord. Why? It's because they knew when they came down from the mountain, they would be around a lot of sinful people. They'd be around the, the dirt and the grime of everyday living. You know, we all look forward to heaven. But until that time, we need to have a vision of God here. The Bible tells us if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth's not in us. And if we confess our faults, he's faithful and just, and he'll forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Why do we worship? One reason is to be able to experience that forgiveness. The forgiveness here, when Isaiah heard it, your guilt is taken away and your sin has been atoned for. True worship makes a difference in our everyday life here. You know, I see signs on some churches. Y'all have seen them before too possibly. And there on one side it says enter to worship. And then when you go out on the other side is leave to serve or depart to serve. Enter to worship and depart to serve. And this is what happened with Isaiah. He got a vision of God. He sensed and was aware of the holiness of God and what happened to his life. What changed him? And God's asking a question Whom shall I send? And remember, when God asks a question, he's not looking for information. He already knows. And then Isaiah said, Here am I. Send me. You see, I want this place to be a place where God is welcomed where his spirit can have the freedom to move and change our hearts and lives, that we also can have a vision of God because we exist to worship. And if we're not worshiping, if we're too busy-minded, if we're too cluttered and we come in just to sort of go through the motions, or maybe we come in and, and we just say, well, this is what I've always done all my life since I was a little boy or a little girl and all, and maybe I'm just going through, or maybe because my my. People before me, they did this and I'm doing this, then we'll never experience worship. We come in here with a heart that is reverently seeking the Lord and asking God to touch us like we've never been touched before. Isaiah saw a vision of God here. We depart to go out into the world to serve here. Have you ever been in a worship service that you just hope would never end? Just hope it would be just well, Lord just on I don't want it to end I want to stay here again. Remember where Peter and James and John were there and with Jesus they didn't want to go down. Boy it was so nice being up on the mountaintop here. Now obviously did you notice the character of the service that Isaiah was given to do? Your he's like, Boy, send me, Lord, I'm, I'm going to do that. Do you, do you find yourself saying to God, "God, I'll do this, but you don't want to dare to ask Him to do this? You're saying, "Lord, I'll do this, but I don't want you to ask me to do this. When your heart is yielded to the Lord, you're not going to worry about whatever God tells you to do, you're going to do it. And that's because you have had a vision of God. You know that God knows what's best for you, and He's going to give you His very best if you'll surrender. And this is what happened to Isaiah. He had no idea what was in store for him. But he caught a vision of God. We need a vision of God. We need a fresh vision of God here. We know that. Obviously, the factor that determines whether or not you've really worshipped is your attitude, actions, and spirit. When you leave this place, do you go out here and maybe go somewhere? Or maybe even around friends or whatever, you snap at them. You say, I wish they'd do this, they would do that, and all that. It hasn't changed your attitude if you're doing that God changes us. He gives us that grace. He gives us that joy, that peace down deep if we encounter him. Obviously, what what is God calling you to do this week? How are you going to accomplish it? You won't until you have a vision of God. You know, I have many people say they're just mad at the preacher. Letting you out too late. You know what? Letting you out too late sounds like you're in a prison and you want to escape. When you worship God, you want to stay in the presence of God. You want God to stay here and you don't want to do anything to quench the spirit of God. I want to tell you today when God shows up, we're not going to want to leave. We're not going to want to get out of here to see if we can beat the Methodists, the Lubies or anywhere else. <laughs> we don't care if the roast burns in the crock pot, Because we're in the presence of God. Do y'all get what I'm saying? I'm saying it with all grace. But I'm saying I long, because why? Because I exist for worship, and so do you. I exert, I exist for that. And so when you come in the next week, if you would, just say, Lord, uh, come in this place. Touch me. Because I can't worship unless you enable me to worship you. And bow and get centered. It's an old Quaker type of uh, way of doing things. Centering down, actually. But it's across the Christian spectrum. It's not a one little denominational thing. Center down. Now, I'm going to really step on some toes right now please. I'm not going to be at the door today shaking hand. I'm going to stay up here away from you. <laughs> Let me say this. Worship is not a spectator sport. It's not a spectator sport. First Chronicles says, Give unto the Lord the glory do His name. Bring an offering and come before Him. Worship the Lord in the beauty of His holiness. Worship is not and never has been something that people attend to be entertained or fed. Worship can be entertaining, but worship can be richly nourishing. And we have those memories. We see that because you're in the presence of the Lord. Somehow, about sometimes statistics say about 40% of churchgoers seem to have picked up the idea that singing in church is for the singers. The truth is that singing is for all believers. You know, interesting enough, all the songs in the book of Revelation, there's not one in there that I can see is a solo. The 10,000 times the 10,000 are singing around the throne of grace. It's not a spectator sport, it's not entertainment. We come in to worship God Almighty. We need to experience him because he is Lord overall, and our hearts and our lives need to be changed. God will change us as we worship. We need to also come in with an attitude and a heart, and I've mentioned this, with, of expectation. Do you come with Expectation. Do you come wanting to encounter the Lord? Are you saying, Lord, I need to to encounter you today. I need a word from you. I need to seek you. I need to know you. I'm coming in this place because we have gathered corporately and if something happens when God's people gather corporately, let me tell you a little story. One man went to a church on Sunday morning. He heard the organist miss a note during the prelude and he winced. He saw a teenager talking when everybody else was supposed to be bowed in silent prayer. He felt like the usher was watching to see what he put in the offering plate and it made him boil. He caught the preacher making a slip of the tongue five times in the sermon by actual count. And as he slipped out through the side door during the closing hymn, he muttered to himself, never again, what a bunch of clods and hypocrites. And then another man went to a church on Sunday morning And he heard the pianist play an arrangement of A Mighty Fortress, and he was thrilled at the majesty of it. He heard a young girl take a moment in the service to speak her simple moving message of the difference her faith makes in her life. He was glad to see that this church was sharing a special offering for hungry children in Nigeria. And he especially appreciated the sermon that Sunday. It answered a question that bothered him for a long time. He thought as he walked out the doors of the church, how can a man come here and not feel the presence of God? You see, both men went to the same church on the same Sunday morning, but each found what he was looking for. What do we look for on Sunday morning? Are we doing a critique or have we come to worship God? We exist for worship. We ought to be excited and thankful. For what God is going to do. Looking forward as we come into this place. What are you going to do? What prayers are you going to answer today dear God? And we see answered prayer here today. Don't we? We should praise him. Because we're here to worship. That's all we exist for. Everything else is a moot point. This little story of this little guy. He was just a little fellow. His mother died when he was just a child. And his father trying to be both mom and dad. had planned a picnic. And the little boy had never been on a picnic, so he made their plans, fixed the lunch, and packed the car. And then it was time to go to bed, for the picnic was until the next day. He just couldn't sleep. He tossed and turned, but the excitement had gotten to him. And finally he got out of bed, ran to the room where his father had already fallen asleep, and shook him. His father woke up and saw his son, and he said to him, "'What are you doing up? What's the matter?' And the boy said, "'I can't sleep.' And the father said, "'Well, why can't you sleep?' And when he answered, the boy said, Daddy, I'm excited about tomorrow. And his father replied, Well, son, I'm sure you are, and it's going to be a great day, but it won't be great if we don't get some sleep. So why don't you just run down the hall and get back in bed and get a good night's rest? So the, the boy trudged off down the hall to the room and got in bed. And before long, sleep came to the father. And it was not long thereafter that here the little boy was coming back. He was pushing and shoving his father and his father opened his eyes and harsh words almost blurted out until he saw the expression on the boy's face. And the the father asked, what's the matter now? And the boy said, Daddy, I just want to thank you for tomorrow. (laughs) Excited about coming to church. Why? It's not about how I feel. Whether I'm in a good mood or bad mood, different in a different mood. You see me? I come in. I smile and hey "Jim, boy, he looks happy today. I, what's what's he taking? What's wrong with him?" <laughs> <laughs> Down deep, Jim hurts just like everybody else. Ain't no difference, okay? And plus, sometimes I think that's real. There's some heavy, heavy warfare. But you see, I'm worshiping God regardless of my circumstances. I'm going to sing, and I'm not going to let the enemy steal the song that God has put in Jim's heart. I'm going to worship, because I exist for worship. There is no other way. This little boy is just saying, I thank you, I'm anticipating great things. William Carey, great uh, evangelist to China, said, Expect great things from God, and attempt great things for God. I want to do that in my life individually and I want that to happen here at Lighthouse Fellowship. And I believe it is. I believe we're moving into something that God and we'll just say praise you Lord because we'll come into the presence of the Lord. We'll worship him and we're all going to be changed including me. I need to be changed folks. I know I'm forgiven. But I know God, when He touches your heart, He changes you like you never thought you would be changed. Things that held sway over your life, and maybe little habits, maybe little things, and all this stuff, when the presence of the Lord, surely God's presence, He'll take it away from you to where you wouldn't dare offend the Lord because you're worshiping God. Isaiah had got a vision of the Lord. And there were uncertainties in his life. Again, his friend King Uzziah had died. And yet he saw the Lord. And he was changed. And I believe in what God called Isaiah. If you look at the life of Isaiah, you usually wouldn't believe it. Isaiah was put through a lot of things. But because he had a vision, because he worshipped God, he encountered God. He never back down from what God had called him to do. It's the same for us today. We have a vision of the Lord. We encounter the Lord. To be with you always throughout the end of your life. And you'll never stop seeking to know Jesus with all of your heart. We need the Lord. Come in. Bow. Ask the Lord. Your own prayer. God hears you. He knows your heart. I don't have to tell you how to pray. But ask him. And watch God change us. Watch God change this church. Watch God change the body of Christ. You see, it's not just happening here at Lighthouse Fellowship. It's happening across the whole spectrum of Christian, The body of Christ, the bride. Because I believe Jesus is getting the bride ready uh, before, the, before the groom. He says that he's coming for a bride that's without spot, blemish, or wrinkle. How is that going to happen? Only by the Spirit. Only by the Spirit changing you and changing me. And God's going to do it. Come in ready to worship. Come in expecting. Because I want to tell you today I expect God to move in this place. I'm convinced. And I believe God is going to do it today. And you see I know y'all are right here with me on this. But to tell you the truth if it could be where I'd be the only one let me tell you today I am not Obviously, backing off. I'm moving forward with God. I don't want to take one step forward and two backwards. I want to take three steps forward and three steps forward and three steps forward. The only way that can happen is I'm worshiping God because we exist for that. Are you fulfilling your existence, your purpose? And the question is, is you say, well, I don't know how exactly I hear what you're saying. Let me tell you, if you have a desire today, God will take that desire and he'll build on that and build on that. And you're talking about an exciting life today. I want to tell you, it won't be more exciting. The world can never, ever give as exciting things as as the kingdom of God when you're walking with Jesus hand in hand. It's nothing in comparison. You won't even look at it. You remember what happened to Peter? Peter betrayed the Lord and obviously uh, said he didn't even know him three times. Jesus said, but I've asked that God would restore you. And he did. He said, but you're obviously going to be used by me. And it's not going to be like what you thought. But he'll give you all the grace needed for whatever it is that he's called you to do. God will do the same for you and for me. Has God ever failed you? And maybe answered, question, answered some of your prayers the way that we would want him. But let me tell you, he's never failed me. He's always come. You know, it's kind of like the old expression nowadays a lot of people use and all that. God's got your back. Amen? God's got you back. And he loves you so much. And we think we know what's best. And God is just waiting for us to turn to him and say, I worship you. You're my master, you're my Lord, you're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I will follow you wherever you lead me. And it will be because you've encountered his presence. Do you want to encounter the Lord? Expect him, believe, he'll do it. Let's pray together. Almighty God, we thank you that we can pray, we can lift you up and we can worship. And we've come to worship you today as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And dear God, today it's not about us, it's about you. I pray that every person in this place would encounter you. And I pray this place and this sanctuary, this property, would be a place as people step out of their cars, they would say, oh, God is here. And expect great things. Because dear God, you're an awesome God. You do far greater and more wonderful things than we could ever imagine. And that's just who you are. But dear Lord, we want you to be blessed because of our worship. We want you, oh Lord, to be pleased. We want you, oh God, to just say, oh, I love him. And, and dear God, today we feel that love in our hearts because of your presence in this place. Come and fill this place, oh God, with your presence. We'll praise you. We'll worship you. And we'll always say, thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.